Welcome to Singing Teachers Talk, the podcast that brings you great interviews, insightful discussions and advice around the topic of singing and teaching singing. Now it's over to your host for today's episode, it's Bronwyn Bidwell. Hello, welcome to the show. Today we are discussing mental health with the marvellous Kat Ogden. Kat is a vocal coach and mental health first aider. She runs her own vocal coaching studio where she specialises in singing for mental health and well-being. She's also studying for a master's in voice pedagogy where her research work focuses on adolescent mental health. So hi Kat, how are you? and Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. And so how is... 2022 even sounds weird me saying that how is it treating you it is it's um it's a bit different to what I expected um I've got I've got lots of really exciting plans this year um but just going straight into the deep end I found out that I'm pregnant so um it's been the first couple of months of that turbulent first trimester kind of kind of vibe but yeah it's good it's good And what were the last two years like for you in terms of teaching through the pandemic and having to adjust and and be flexible, et cetera? You know, I I feel like we had it easier than than many people that I know. We we both completely, me and my partner, Robbie, we transformed our whole work to go online. So 95% of my students just went to online lessons. And luckily, I'd done the BAST course maybe six months before. And so I'd got a really good, I'd, I was well associated with Zoom, um, which, which was really helpful. And yeah, it, it, it actually worked really well. There were, I, I started my master's during the pandemic. Uh, and although there were less opportunities for my students performance wise, and it was awful for performers and shows, and it was, it was a very, very difficult time. We got some really special time with our little boy and managed to work through it. So yeah, it's been okay. So tell us about the business now and what percentage of teaching you doing now face-to-face and who do you teach? Who is your sort of typical student? So about a year ago, we moved house. We moved to, uh, we moved about half an hour away from where we were before because we found a house with a studio in it. So before that I was teaching, but when I was teaching online, it was in the spare bedroom. You know, you just kind of had to make it work at that time. Um, and, you know, but, but when I was teaching face-to-face, it was in my dining room. So we needed somewhere that was a little bit, um, a, a little bit more separated from home life, but still from home because it's such a benefit to teach from home so we found this house with this awesome studio at at the back of it and it's just really helped take my business forward I'd say that I teach 50 50 so 50 percent online 50 percent face to face um I teach from children right up to adults but my specialism is is adolescents and and young people and that's what most of my my studies have been based around as well on on the masters and I I now through doing the masters uh, I have come to realize that I am so passionate about teaching singing for mental health and well-being so although I teach musical theater and pop and exams and we do audition prep and we do show prep and performance prep a lot of my practice is is based in well-being 
You studied last year to become a mental health first aider. How has that influenced your teaching and how do you use that in your lessons? It's been one of the best things that I've done for my practice and for my personal life as well to to understand how to support people. So I've done the mental health first aid course for adults and I've done the mental health first aid course for, for youths as well. And it's been fundamental to understand that we all have mental health like we all have physical health and that mental health can have quite a stigma attached to the phrase mental health because you think of poor mental health, anxiety, etc. But having the skills to know how to support mental health and how to recognise signs of perhaps poor mental health and and what to do, there's a very fine line. You know, I'm not a counsellor, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a doctor, um, but as, as a first aider, I'm the first port of call to be able to help, you know, support people it, as a singing teacher although I am I'm very clear about the boundaries of what I am and what I am not it's a safe environment where where people can come in and you know hopefully feel safe and express themselves and they they build a, a level of trust with you as the teacher so to know how to support them has been wonderful for example self-care is so important self-care for everybody not just me as a singing teacher or students as students who are singing, but absolutely everybody should practice self-care. And again, self-care can have a stigma of being, you know, selfish, or you think of self-care as maybe a spa day, but, but it's not that. It's pockets of time every day that are for you that help to support your mental health. And it's knowing things like that, being on the course, the, the biggest message that um, you take away from it is that you cannot support those around you you cannot do your job to your best ability you you can't sort of grab everything how you want to if you're not supporting yourself and looking after yourself how do you raise the subject matter with students perhaps the students coming to you for singing lessons do you get a sense that there are perhaps other issues there because I can imagine it's quite sensitive subject matter how do you sort of dive in and raise that with them that's a really good question. It would be if if they I wouldn't ever try and pry anything out out of a student. I have had I've had situations where students have come in feeling very stressed, very stressed or very anxious, particularly when I was working in a high school and I was working with adolescent teenagers who had just come out the other end of covid and online learning and suddenly back in schools and you know the pack mentality and the expectation and the exams and the pressure so they would quite often come in and you know just feel like the weight of the world is on their shoulders and by doing the course by being a mental health first aider it gives you the skills to open up that conversation not to not to pry anything but you know how are you how's your day been and just yeah, if they if they open up to you to then say, you know, do you know what self-care is? Do you know what do you do every day for you? Um, and, and maybe just, just leading them in the right direction to get the help that they may need. And what have been the outcomes from that? Have you had students come back and thank you or do they tell you that they're implementing what you suggested? 
Yes, yeah, for sure, for sure. We had we had quite quite a lot of fun one week when I I was asking everybody, can you think of what you do for your own self care? And like eighty percent of them were like, oh, I don't know, I don't know what I do for my self care. I was like, well, can you come back to me next week and tell me one thing that you've done for you? And, you know, then saying to them the next week, so what did you do? And they might say, oh, I had a bubble bath or I had a lovely hot chocolate and just treated it as my own time. And, you know, how did that make you feel? It's great. I'm going to do it all the time. You know, it it does. It has an impact as well. And do you have students that come to you because they have mental health issues and they actually want singing to be part of the therapy? Yeah, I do. I do. It's... um, quite a few people that get in touch via social media or on my website where they can read up on what I do say that one of the reasons that they've come to me is because I I I talk about mental health and well-being and supporting mental health and well-being um singing is profound for for your mental health and well-being not in a professional circumstance because there's pressures that come along with that as well but the act of singing um it is very good for you um and just that one-to-one time as well that one-to-one focus time that is like a form of self-care it parents or students will come back to me and say this is just great I just feel great after I leave a lesson and they just come back wanting more it's great. And you mentioned also that you've done postgraduate studies and you, you used um, your work with adolescents in relation to that. What, what, tell us more about that and what sort of projects you worked on. Uh, so I'm doing voice pedagogy via the Voice Study Centre. It's amazing. Uh, and at the beginning, um, I mean, you'll know this, Bronwyn, there is so much to know about the voice you couldn't possibly learn everything there is to know about the voice in one lifetime. I need about three of these masters to to know everything that I want to know. Um, So when I started out on the course, I had no idea what direction I was going in. I knew that I was fascinated by the voice. I loved, you know, when you go on to the masters, you're exposed to this library, this content. And oh my giddy aunt, it is (laughs) vast there are webinars there is content on the modules that you're doing there's a library and you just you just click on the library and look at all of the subjects and it's like oh my goodness how am I going to pick what I'm going to do these projects on and I um again this was I started it in the pandemic so I started it in the April of 2020 and everything was moving online so there was lots of webinars online and it was quite exciting um, and, and I joined on to this webinar about singing for trauma. And, you know, the, this wonderful presenter, Emily Fogs, um, she was talking about ACEs scores. I don't have you heard of them before? Adverse childhood experiences. Um, and it's, it's based on um, between the ages or up to the age of 18, how many traumatic experience, experiences a child experiences that's very badly put um and and it's a score out of 10 and depending how high you score on this questionnaire this aces score questionnaire depends on statistically how likely you are to have severe mental health to become the abuser to end up in prison and I was fascinated you know I've talked before about how I did have quite a, a troubled childhood and it was quite turbulent and quite a lot happened 
where, where do I sit with that? So I was, I had this webinar up and then I went on to Google and I, I put in, I, I did a couple of the tests, you know, very basic ACES score tests. And I was a nine out of 10. And I was like, oh my goodness, how am I, how am I okay? And I was private messaging Debbie Winter, who's the, the head of Voice Study Centre, who is an absolute goddess of a woman. I adore her. I adore all of them. I think they're all great. Um, and I, I was private because me- I'd been talking to her not a couple of days before about, oh, I don't know what route I want to go down. I, you know, there's so many things that I'm interested in. I think I was going to start on looking at breath. And she steered me away from looking at breath because you just want to bang your head against a brick wall because there's too much. There's too much on the breath. And one person says to do this and another person says to do this. And there's no conclusive answer on the best way to use your breath. So she said, you know, go back to the drawing board, watch some webinars. So I'm private messenger in the, in this. And I said, you know, I've just done my ACEs score and I'm a nine out of 10, Debbie. But I mean, I'm not just saying this. I am okay. I'm a very anxious person. And you know, I, I have bouts of depression every now and again, but I am generally okay. Why is that? Is it because I sing? You know, I need to explore this. Is it because I sing? Is it because I have the right amount of support at the right points, the right role models at certain aspects of my childhood? Why is it? And and it just sent me off on this quest of, I need to know what it was about my childhood, although traumatic, and I had these experiences, what was it that happened that made it so that I've come out the other end? And how can I then apply that to my teaching? So from one aspect, me looking so much into adolescents and and young adults is a very small part of that is based on my experience. And I'm fascinated with, you know, how my brain developed, what happens when you're singing. And, you know, this whole idea that when you're singing, you're creating um, hormones that kind of help to eradicate those toxins built up by trauma. You know, I, I was, I'm really fascinated in all that, but also the majority, my, my target audience in, in my practice are teenagers and young adults. So to understand them as well, I've done uh, the adolescent female voice and what happens through when they go from child to teenager, what's actually happening because there's so much on boys and their changing voices, but not much on girls. And they still have things that happen to them too. It's much more psychologically based. Um, so I've done that and I've done, um, I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of doing three independent studies. I've done two so far, one on singing and mindfulness and the benefits of implementing mindfulness into singing lessons, one on um, acceptance commitment coaching and coaching models and how they can benefit singing lessons. And then I'm in one at the moment, which is positive psychology within singing lessons and how that can benefit. And it's all based around how to make that experience of the singing lesson the best and how that student can come in, they can learn, they can sing, they can thrive and they can leave and and just feel great about themselves. And, and, you know, I love the idea that the students that I teach or I've taught from children to adolescents into adulthood, they've had this consistency. And so you've obviously gain a lot from continuing your education a lot of people might just run their business and focus on that but why are you so committed to this sort of ongoing learning 
There's so, there's so accountability. Uh, I think it's so important. The voice is ever changing, ever evolving. The literature progresses. There's so much to know. And, and I think it is the responsibility of the singing teacher to, to carry on their CPD and to be as knowledgeable as they can be in order to be the best teacher for that student. That, that student or that student's family are, are paying for them to be there to have lessons. I think it's only right that they get the best quality out of that and and also I find it fascinating I find the voice fascinating and and singing and I I just I cannot ever imagine a point in my life where I won't be learning about the voice and how do you juggle work childcare commitments and study do you set aside a certain amount of time each week to study or or is a little bit less formal than that Uh, is it rigid I have a rigid timetable and my other half Robbie uh, I, I teach five evenings a week and one morning a week. And my son goes to nursery three days a week. Um, so on the days that he's at nursery, I might teach in the morning or on a Wednesday, it's my study day. So I will study right up until I start teaching. And you mentioned your difficult childhood. I'm wondering if you have a first memory of singing and what your first memory of enjoying singing is. Uh, Yes, I do. I remember being very, very young and walking up the street, singing about what I was doing. And it was something like, I'm walking up the street, I'm at the traffic lights, and I just sing about everything that I was doing. And I remember having Britney Spears and Steps and and Spice Girls on the CDs where they had the lyrics on the back and singing with with my microphone, not microphone, hairbrush. Um, I've just always sung, always sung. And some very fond memories with my mum as well, who who I did lose when I was 16, is going to karaoke's with her and just I had like a set list that I did everything. <laughs> you were a serious karaoke queen. I take it very serious. In fact, I'm going out with my friends in a few weeks um, and there's going to be a karaoke involved and I am absolutely, I'm going to go to town. I love <laughs> it. I'm known for, you know, loving the karaoke. What was your first experience as a teacher and how did you get into teaching singing? I got into teaching because I was so inspired by my singing teacher at university, who is a woman called Manny Crooks, who is phenomenal. I was so inspired by the way that she taught and it, 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 it shone a whole new light on, on looking at the voice I'd come from because of my childhood. I've people nobody who I was living with at any one time could afford to send me to singing lessons. So all of my learning was based in the music room at school or in, or in productions and and things like that. And when I got to university and I started training, I thought, oh my goodness, the voice is amazing. I've just always just sung. This is great. And you know, the way that my voice progressed and I loved it. So after I finished my undergrad, I was taken on as almost an apprentice at a music school and the head of singing taught me how to teach. And I learned quite a lot from him. I I worked there for a couple of years and yes, it was, it it was fresh out of 
university. And alongside that, I was also performing and gigging and auditioning. So yeah, and I love it. I, I always say that, you know, that feeling that you get after you perform, that buzz, I feel that when teaching. And so then why did you decide to study with Bass? Because you sounded like you already had quite a lot of teaching experience. What made you decide to study with Bast? Prior to studying with Bast, um, just even going back maybe a year, I'd always lived in rented accommodation. And within rented accommodation, they generally say in the contract, you can't run a business from, from our property, which is, you know, fair enough. So my teaching after I left the music school, because we moved to Cheshire, um, it was, you know, dance schools, performing arts schools, and I had a muggle job and like teaching on the side. And then I fell pregnant with my son and we bought our first home. And when we were there, you know, I did, there was a certain expectancy when I was having Alfie that, you know, any dreams of sort of a, a, a career that I was super passionate about probably wouldn't happen because I'm going to be a mum now. But what was really surprising is that when I had Alfie, he gave me the inspiration and the motivation to show him that you can do what you're passionate about and you can, you can make it work. And I wanted to show him what that looked like. Robbie does a job that he loves. I can do a job that I love too, you know. So I looked at starting up Cat Ogden Singing and going out on my own. But I felt like I wanted more under my belt. I wanted, I wanted more qualifications. I wanted to do courses. I wanted to learn more. I've, I've always had books on the voice and really interested in hearing people talking about the voice in podcasts and such like. But I'd never been in the position to do another course after my undergrad. So I talked to my friend, Claire Cannon, who had done the course, who is a fan, another fantastic teacher who I think is brilliant. And um, she said, I, I really recommend that you do this BAST course. And it, I ju- it was just, it, it's the best thing that I've ever done for my, it, it's just opened up so many opportunities. And it, it was a fantastic course. And what did you take away from it? What were the big takeaways um, from studying with BAST? Was it Lynn that was your trainer? Kaya. Oh, it was Kaya. Yes, the lovely yes. Kaya. <laughs> Uh, loved oh yeah brilliant thought she was great I did I did I went to quite a lot of the troubleshoot clinics with Lynn I think again Lynn Kaya wonderful absolutely brilliant but my, my main takeaways from it was that you never stop learning and and that you know CPD keeps us accountable things with a voice evolve and change it it set up all of the fundamentals that I needed in order to go on and do the masters and the things that I learned watching teachers teach other people and and looking at different aspects of the voice that I hadn't thought of before and the way that it's done the way that the course is done just fantastic I highly recommend it (laughs) and so what are the best things about running your own business then the best things, um, doing what I'm passionate about, creating my own workload, accountability, and I have so much drive to keep it going, keep it thriving, keep it growing. And then what were, what are the biggest challenges? What were the things, especially in the early days that you 
perhaps dreaded having to do um, and how did you I guess get on and do them oh making terms and conditions and applying them I think my two biggest bugbears is sickness and payment and how where do you draw the line you know how when it when it's a business and you're running your own business and you're in charge of absolutely everything it's having that really difficult conversation of you need to pay me you know and how you set that up over time I've got much better at that my terms and conditions are solid now because I've learned you learn through experience don't you but they were the biggest challenges above even getting getting the people through the door which again, when you're advertising for yourself and, and you're wanting to build up your business, that's an aspect that can be quite tricky, knowing where to post, how to sell yourself, you know, but it, it's definitely sickness and payment that, that were the two, and they still really are the two biggest bugbears. And so how did you go about getting your students? What really worked for you in terms of um, increasing your business? Social media. Social media and local town groups. If you're working from home, I do um, five five out of six of the days that I teach, I work here. And one day I'm over where I used to live. I rent a little room over there because those students supported me through the whole of the pandemic. And I just love that area. So I stick there. So I'm part of their town group on Facebook and I'm part of this town group where I am now. And you know, posting on there and, you know, telling them what you do and that that brings in quite a lot of custom. But also um, I've had quite a lot come through from Instagram, be included upon things like TikTok. It's, it's incredible for bringing in clients, I, social media and my website, but having good copy on my website as well, which is a whole other ball game, isn't it? Getting it right. It's so hard, isn't it? Because there's so much to do and the teaching is an important side of it. But then there are all these other things that, um, that, you know, you kind of have to take seriously in order to, to keep the business going. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's what's so before Christmas this year, I made the decision to leave my other side teaching jobs. So I was working at a high school and I was working at a performing arts school. And I've got so many exciting opportunities coming this year. I want to hit the ground running from January. I want to hit the ground running and I'm absolutely going to smash it. I'm going to smash social media. I'm going to get my website down to a T. My emails are going to be fantastic. There's going to be newsletters. This is going to be great. Um, and I had all of these big, big, big ideas of, of what I was going to do. And then Christmas hit, I got COVID. And then, so I had COVID to kind of contend with. And Robbie, my, my other half had, um, he had a really important exam. So it was really important that I didn't give him COVID. So I was quarantined in my room. Like, this isn't how I thought this was all. <laughs> What's this? And then recovered from COVID, came out of quarantine and then found out I was pregnant, which is lovely, joyful, wonderful, but then sickness. And the things that, although I kept teaching and I just managed to kind of muscle through it, it was the other things that fell by the wayside the admin and the social media and you know when when you're so present on social media normally and suddenly there's nothing because I just didn't have the energy to do it I did have people messaging saying are you okay 
I've not, I've not seen you online for a while. And it, yeah, it is important. And everything went really quiet for a couple of months. So what is in store for you then in 2022? Obviously, it's going to be busy because you're having a baby. But in terms of your business, you seem to be quite excited about it. Have you got any plans that you can tell us about? Yes. I, yes, I can. I don't know why that was so high pitched. <laughs> yes. um, what is it? I'm moving on to the next phase where I am going to be running workshops and I'm going to be doing webinars. So I've got my very first webinar with the Sing Space where I'm a recommended coach. I've got that in a few weeks. And then there's a, um, there's a drama school not too far from where I live, who have asked me to do some workshops, which I'll be running in April. And this is where I want to go. I want to run workshops and webinars. And I would love to get to the point where I could then teach teachers, teach singing teachers and run courses. That would just be the absolute dream. Um, And this is the first steps of that. And I'm incredibly excited about it, as well as the projects I'm doing with my master's as well. But inevitably, late August, beginning of September, I will be having another baby. So that will probably take up a bit of time. You seem to be very good at at juggling and um, making time for yourself. I think it's quite easy to think oh I can't do that this year I'll put that on the back burner because I've got to do this I've got to do that but actually you seem to be quite good at you know holding a little bit of ground for yourself to kind of focus on what you're passionate about yes yeah I think I think it's I think it's important and I just I love it so much it's I do you know when you have something in your head you just need to get it done. You just, you just want to keep the ball rolling. Whether this is very naive or not, I'm not stopping the masters when I have the baby. If there, there's an incredible support uh, on on the masters that you know I that they can make it work for me, so that I can I can still carry on. Whether that's naive or not, I don't know. I don't know what this baby is going to be like. <laughs> So what advice would you have for someone who's either thinking about starting their own singing teacher school or going back and doing some further study? What tips would you have for them? Do BAST. Do the 20-hour course. Can I tell you a a little story about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, I was I was away with some friends last year and it, it was all friends that I went to university with. So we all studied music theatre. And it's, you know, because I am so present online and I talk a lot about the voice and how great the voice is, they all know that I'm I'm a singing teacher and that I absolutely adore it. And I was talking to my friend Beth and she said, you know, she's really interested in getting into teaching, but she just doesn't know where to start because she feels like she hasn't done enough she doesn't have enough knowledge since we left university. And anyway, she mulled over it. We talked about it. I sent her, I've got this. I know you, you can't see this when you're listening to something, but this is my best book <laughs> from, from the course. Um, and I sent her a quick video of all that, of everything that I learned and what I did. She signed up to it. She did the course. She had Lynn. And now she has this new and thriving little business. She's got students, she's got, she's gone from one night, she's expanded to two nights and she's loving it. She's done the vocal health first aid course, which I also did. I think I did it last year. Was it the year before? 
Do you know, I can't remember now. It's all I've a blur. <laughs> I think we oh, just put those two that. years together and count them as one year because we were inside so much. That's all right. It, it's some, somewhere across. So she's done that as well. And she's thriving. And, you know, I, th- I just I think it's a really, really good place to start. But if if you are wanting to go on and maybe do a pro- postgraduate or do more training, my, my, my biggest recommendation is to just make sure that that is right for you. It, it took me quite a long time in between doing my undergrad to then start my postgrad to to really figure out what I wanted to do and what I was passionate about. And honestly, this is the best I've ever done academically because I th- I th- I'm just so into it. Fantastic. I think when you're passionate about something, it's um, it just makes such a difference. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Well, listen, Kat, it was so lovely to talk to you. And um, I think lots of people will find it very inspiring. If people want to find out more about you or follow you on social media, where do they, where do, where should they look? So my social media is at Kat Ogden Singing. And then my website is www.katogdensinging.com. And my email is kat at katogdensinging.com. All very straightforward. Brilliant. Well, listen, thank you so much for talking to us. I hope you um, have a fantastic year and I hope all goes well and you uh, you manage to get all the things done that you've got on your to-do list. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So are you one of the many singers who want to teach others but just don't have the confidence to get started? Or are you already teaching and looking to upskill, fill some knowledge gaps or refresh? Well the BAST 20 hour course is here to help you build your confidence, knowledge and skills and you can find out more about the course and our next starting dates at our website bastbasttraining.com. On the BAST course we're going to help you understand functional anatomy of the instrument and how it applies to singing and we're going to help you learn how to assess and identify the tools that you need to help someone sing well and safely. We're going to even introduce you to a little bit of the science behind sound making so you can significantly improve a singer's voice and it will seem like magic. We're going to help you master the art of effective student-centered teaching and how to get into a business and how to get it up and running and much, much more. By the end of the course, you will understand your potential as a singing teacher far better and you'll feel confident to charge to teach people how to sing or increase your rates. You're also going to have a wonderful and supportive network of like-minded singing teachers to hang out with. So go to the podcast description for a link to the website where you can find out more about the course and what we offer and if you want to talk to someone in person feel free to book one of the free consultation calls so we can talk to you directly and answer any of your questions looking forward to seeing you somewhere in the best community